Good morning, LOH. Hey, uh, if you don't know me and you're kind of tuning in for the first time, I'm Pastor Sean. I'm an associate pastor here at LOH, and uh, it's such a privilege. I'm just grateful uh, to be sharing part two of this three-part series on the Holy Spirit with Pastor Tim. And uh, today I wanna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the Holy Spirit, but I, I want to I focus it around a word that I think has a lot of power. And that word is intimacy. You see, because I think there's power in intimate moments. You see, because when you think about intimacy, intimacy is the fuel that paves us to go deeper in relationship. Think about it. I mean, it just in a general sense, when you think about the time that like for us that are maybe even married where we sit there and we go, for me, I'll, I'm going to speak as a guy here and go, man, that girl was hot. And I don't even know who she is. And then I got to know her and we became acquaintances. And I'm talking about Renee, okay, guys? And we became acquaintances. But then as we got to know each other and we had intimate moments where we could share things and get to know each other in deeper ways, all of a sudden we became friends. And then all of a sudden I realized that this is the woman I want to marry. And we became engaged and we are fiancés. And all of a sudden now we're spouse, we're man and wife. And you think about those moments. I think about moments with other people too. I think about, I think about my brother Derek Spencer. I think about a guy that showed up as a youth one day when I was a youth pastor in Kaiser, and there's this guy with a horseshoe around his neck, and his nickname was Beef. And I didn't know who he was. But what I realized is, is after moment after moment of getting to know his heart and getting to see and experience God moments with him and the presence of God with him, all of a sudden now I call him my brother. My kids call him Uncle Derek. He is, he's become family. He went from who's this strange kid to now being a grown man who's a leader and an influencer for the kingdom. And now I get the privilege to call him my brother. I think about those moments like that. I think about the moments that we have because intimate moments breathe that depth, that relationship, and the trust, and the vulnerability that comes with it to where there is power in the intimacy. And if there's one thing that I want to tell you, that when it comes to healthy relationships with people and God, that the devil wants to break is he wants to devalue the power of intimacy. He wants to devalue that to where you don't see the value in steps of intimacy that are healthy and faithful and continue to move deeper and deeper into that place. You know, the Old Testament word was covenant, where you, you'd make a bond together that would not be broken. It was a bond with God. And I really believe God desires us to have a circle of people that way and our, with our spouses and our children. You know, even tonight, I, I, I'm going to give a funny shout out. I'm wearing this fun little bracelet that just says dad. It's a little homemade friendship bracelet because uh, a little six-year-old girl that's lacking her two front teeth right now came in this morning and it was a really intimate moment. And she says, daddy, can I make you a bracelet? And we talked for a minute, and I said, I, she goes, would you wear it? And I said, I will. And she goes, what color? I said, you pick the color. She picked blue, so I was, I was like, thank you. I wasn't sure what I was going to get. But you know what I know is, is that when she's, her wedding day, they're the kind of memories that are going to flash one day because they're the intimate moments where me and my daughter, and my daughter with her little missing front teeth says, Daddy, can I make you a bracelet, and would you wear it? And I think about those moments with my sons, and I think about those moments with my wife. 
think about those moments with my family and friends and some of you that are, I consider my brothers and sisters in Christ here at LOH. Because there's power in intimacy. So I want to just start with that truth and fact this morning before moving forward with anything. You see, because you go, now what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? Some of you might be thinking, okay, intimacy, what's that? Because I want you to know a truth this morning. If I was to start off with anything that I say, if you want to, if you forget anything else I say this morning, I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit desires intimate moments with us. I believe the Holy Spirit desires it. I believe I can show you in the word. I believe that with all of my heart, from all of my experiences, that the Holy Spirit desires intimacy with you. I believe he desires that one-on-one moments with you that you'll now look back and go, wow. You see, we don't get from the beginning to the end where we'll be worshiping glory and go, well, I got there. Boom. No, it's step by step where we go, this is a God moment, and this is a God moment, and this is a God moment, and I can't believe this, and I can't believe this, and he blows my mind every single time, and it's the little things, and it's the big things. It's the little things when you get in a fight and you're acting like an idiot. I'm king of them. And all of a sudden, I get broken in my living room when nobody's around going, wow. It's in the moments that I've had where I've been driving and I had to pull off the side of the road and just take a minute. It's in the moments when I've been alone and, and, and talking to God. It's in the moment when I'm out and I'm outside and I'm just listening to the wind and I re- reflect on how Jesus talks about how the Holy Spirit is like the wind. It's those intimate moments that I believe God's showing me things that, about myself and about others and about who he is and his character and his heart and his love. But I'll never get that if I'm distracted by the crowds and I'm distracted by the noise and I'm distracted by all the myths and the man-made things that God doesn't desire necessarily to be distractions but to be good things that complement it. I want to talk about some of those myths with you because I believe sometimes we can take good things and they become twisted a little bit to where they become myths. You see, I, 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 on my heart, three myths, three myths came to me that have limited, I think, our intimate moments with God. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to explain them in a minute with you because I believe that they need a little explanation because there's nothing wrong with these, some of these. There's not, I'm not going to judge some of these, but I think they can become barriers to our intimacy. The first one is the unfixable myth. You see, in my time in ministry, especially when I was, I was lead pastoring in another location for a while, I got the opportunity to work with some amazing people that their testimonies. You know, there's a young lady that just posted on Facebook. She's two years clean. I remember her giving her life to Christ at the altar. I remember doing Bible studies with her and her becoming a leader, not only a follower of Christ, then becoming a leader and leading other people to Christ. And now watching her talking about just in two years clean from drugs from a severe crack addiction. I remember her saying these words. I'm too broken. I can't be fixed. And I told her, I said, the Holy Spirit can heal anyone and he can fix anything. He's the creator of the universe and he's the creator of your life. And I remember sitting there going, what a myth. 
where we sometimes get into a place where we think we're so broken in our mind that even in the ones who put really good church faces on and we roll in and we praise God and we sing and we listen to the sermons and we even come to the altars and we do all the things, but inside we feel like we're so messed up, we're so dirty, we're so broken that we can't be fixed by the Holy Spirit. So why would I ever get intimate with a holy God out of respect? See, I'm not judging you. Sometimes we get to a place where we're like, he's so holy, he's so perfect. Why would he even want to touch me? That's a myth. And I'm going to bust that myth wide open in just a little bit in Scripture with you. I want you to know that if you're feeling that way this morning, as I preach this sermon, I want you to know that you are fixable. And you know what? You are a perfect creation in the eyes of God, and he has a plan and a purpose for you and can heal every wound that you are dealing with right now. Then there's the event myth. Now I'm going to tell you, this one here, this is where you post something like this on Facebook and you don't get very many likes. Sometimes we can get caught up because we have so much. God blesses us with so much. I can tell you the staff here at even LOH is working extremely hard to, to set up a whole new look and everything's going on. I can tell you I'm not going to give it away, but I'm just going to say they're working hard. And it's beautiful and it's amazing and it, it adds value. But it shouldn't be the center of, what, of, of our hearts when we come to worship as believers either. See, sometimes we're waiting on the right song that goes, man, that just, that just that made me the spirit move. And I'm waiting on the right lighting, and I'm waiting on the right effects, and I'm waiting for the right key, stroke of chord, and I'm waiting for everything to be the right way. I'm waiting for people to believe it's dark enough that they can't see me, and I believe in all these things, and I'm waiting for the event, and there's a lot of people worshiping, so now it's okay that I believe right now this is where a move of God's going to take place. And you want to know something? I've been a part of those, and I've seen God move, and I have preached in those moments, and I've seen God move, and I have seen God move through those big events. But I'm going to tell you that in between all of those big events, there's been so many more intimate moments before that, that if I just yearned for those moments, I would be left hungry and lonely waiting for the next intimate moment with God. So we get in these myths where we got to create the perfect event and there we'll see God move. But I believe God moves most powerfully to transform hearts in the intimate places, in the personal spaces, in the places where we actually just get real and vulnerable and open and honest with God. And the last one's the holy man myth, I call it. That's where we get into a comparison game. Because sure, we may have even overcome some of these hurdles where we go, you know what, God's healed me. But then we get to a place where we're like, thank you, Lord. And then we go, man, the events are the places I really experienced the Holy Spirit and I need it. And then you go, man, but it could be intimate. Now you're going, but, 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 but Pastor Sean, I'm not as deep in the word as you. I'm not deep in the word like, Dustin and Leslie when they're singing and the guys up on stage. I'm not like Pastor Tim. I'm not like those board members. I'm not like those other people that stand in the front and are so, they got their hands raised and they're so deep in the word. And we get this comparison game. And you know what the word says? That comparison is the opposite of wisdom. It actually, God calls it foolishness. And what I want you to understand is we get in this myth of comparison where we start going, they're more spiritual. That's for them to go deeper with God. That's, that's for them to have those intimate encounters. That's for them to, to be broken before God. That's for them to see the Holy Spirit do an amazing work of something. That's for them to be healed. I'm not there yet. I can't go there. You want to know something? The way God made you, you plus God is enough. You plus the Holy Spirit can bring a miracle instantly of healing. It can, bring a, it can resurrect dead relationships 
It can deliver you from the worst places of bondage you've ever been and stuck in. As you just heard me share about one of my amazing friends, Autumn, who has been delivered from drugs and is leading people to the Lord. I want you to know you don't have to compare because he made you in the image of God. He made him in the image of yourself, of himself. You're walking images, and when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, we're personifying him. He's working through us, and they, the world gets to see him. So, he, of course, the enemy wants to kill that with myths, and sometimes good things. It's good that people show maturity and they step out in faith, but that shouldn't deter your faith. It's good that we have massive events and crowds and people come to know the Lord, but it shouldn't deter you to wait for those moments. And we all have messiness in our lives. So, I promised you that, they, you know, we go, okay, Pastor Sean, you've, you've shared some of your thoughts from Scripture and experience. But now I want to get into the Scripture with you. I want to show you in God's Word now where an encounter takes place that I believe will show you how the Holy Spirit wants to work in intimate ways. And this story entails with Jesus. Jesus encountering a woman. So I'd like you to go to John chapter 4 or follow along with us. Because you're going to find out in this story, you go, but, but this is about Jesus, Pastor. This isn't about the Holy Spirit. Can I let you know something? Jesus and the Holy Spirit are the same one person. They're three people, but they're the same God, right? So the character of Jesus is the character of the Holy Spirit. What Jesus would do is what the Holy Spirit would do. So I want you to catch that. Don't lose track of that because you're like, well, that was Jesus. No, this is the same as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was working in Jesus. So I'm going to pick up and I want to read it with you and then we'll go back and break it down. It says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisee had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? You see, his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Come on. <laughs> Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. This sounds like me where I'm like trying to explain myself to God why he doesn't make sense. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. She's still not getting it yet. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. 
What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. Oh, catch this, guys. A time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. Right there, worship in spirit and truth, not or truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Doesn't say he welcomes, doesn't say he sits back and watches, he seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I want to leave it right there for a minute because this is a transformation story of this young woman. So we see some things in this story that are very interesting. This woman goes to draw water. Here's Jesus. You see, sometimes we forget the fact that Jesus was human too and he got tired. <laughs> he sat down to have some water. He sat by a well. But you know what? I believe that God is deliberate. and He doesn't do anything by coincidence. He doesn't do anything by accident. He had a divine appointment for that young lady that day. And what I want to tell you is that her life was changed, but we can learn some very vital things from this story that I think will show us what intimacy looks like and the transformation through intimacy. We can pull out of this to go, this is where I see my relationship getting deeper with God. So I want to take it back to the beginning of that story because I want, I want to make a point here. It says, the, I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit desires to encounter you right where you're at. You see, when I read this set of scripture, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit desires to encounter you right where you're at. You don't have to go anywhere. Right now, where you're at, you don't have to actually get up out of your living room. You don't have to get up out of your car seat. You don't have to run anywhere. You don't have to show you up anywhere. I'm letting you know right where you're at, God, through the Holy Spirit, wants to let you encounter him. You see, this woman, if you're reading the story, said she went to draw water at noon. Some of you might not be familiar with history or culture or geography, but that's the time of day that nobody really goes and draws water. It's the hottest part of the day. You, you wonder, well, why would she draw that much? Why would she go then to draw water if it's so hot? Because if you remember when Jesus was talking to her, he brought up the fact that she had five husbands, right? So she wasn't only thirsty, but you know, we joke about today, one of the terms you hear a lot on social media, she was thirsty, okay? She liked the attention of men. Here she is. And what I want you to see is, is she comes out to avoid people. She comes out to avoid gossip, to avoid the onlookers who she's probably filled with shame. And she's probably ashamed because she's probably one of those people I described as the unfixable. Where she's going, I am so broken and so out there that I don't even am so messed up that I hope this coming Messiah might be able to do something with me, but I don't even know. And here she comes out to get her water to avoid people. And it's funny because you know what happens, shame does, when you feel like you're unfixable, when you can't believe that myth? 
Shame tries to put you in isolation, while intimacy tries to put you in community. So I want you to understand that. Isolation is the enemy, is the enemy of intimacy. So here she is. She comes out avoiding people. And here's Jesus. Unprepared, you'd think, because he's like, I don't have anything to draw water. And he has a conversation, but it even goes deeper a little bit really quick because she's a Samaritan woman. She goes, but I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jewish man. Not only was it odd and completely against culture for a man to be talking to a woman like that at the well, but it was a Samaritan woman talking to a Jewish man, which would mean that Jesus, according to Jewish law, would be unclean because Samaritans were looked at as dogs. They were, there was complete racist thoughts from Jews about Samaritans, that they were lower than people. They were like dogs, they would call them. If you look back in the, in the culture, that was kind of a reference they make to Samaritans, those Samaritan dogs. Jesus picks a woman who's a Samaritan at the hottest part of the day who's avoiding people, and he comes to that well, and here she is where she's probably notorious and known as a woman who has five husbands. And he picks her to encounter. So if you're believing right now that you're unfixable, you're believing right now that you're not holy enough, I want you to know that God, through his Holy Spirit, wants to encounter you. He desires it right where you're at. And I think Jesus just proved it right there. He proved it. But it didn't just say there, right? Because I want to, I want to touch on another part of that because we got we to hit it all, right? Because here's the other part. Because it says, yeah, the Jews tell us we got to go to Jerusalem to worship. We got to go to the temple. We got to go to that place. Ah, the event. We got to get to that place. He goes, there's going to be a time coming. Where you're going to worship on mountains. You're going to worship in Jerusalem. You can worship there. You can worship right here at this well. Now, I'm paraphrasing in my terms of what I, I experienced from this scripture that I sit there and tell you, he's going, you're going to worship, you're going to worship in my presence for an eternity in heaven. You're going to worship. You're going to worship wherever you are because I am the spirit and where the spirit is, there is worship. And if you experience the presence of God, no matter where you are, you're going to experience and have worship and you're going to have intimacy and it's going to be there for you. So it's right where you're at. So some people go, what's holy ground? I tell you, that's anywhere you're standing that you're willing to let the Holy Spirit encounter you. Because heaven meets earth where you're standing when the Holy Spirit encounters you. So I tell you right now, the Holy Spirit desires to encounter you right where you're at. But he has some other desires than the scripture. See, I believe the Holy Spirit desires to minister to our souls. You see, sometimes we get swept up that, you know what, we can get even swept up to where we're like, man, but I got all these areas of my life that need fixed. And you know what they are? Sometimes they're excuses to get to the core thing because what you're trying to do is we're trying to fix and put band-aids on bleeds, but let's get to the core of why you're bleeding. See, God wants to operate where the source of the problem is, not just continue to put bandages on all the wounds. And the Holy Spirit knows where that is, and that's your soul. You see, he, he could have sat there and said, let's talk about those five husbands. Let, let, me, let me give you a four-point sermon on why healthy relationships is what you need. But you know what? Someone with a broken soul will never understand what a healthy relationship is. 
because they can't understand the pure love of Jesus to understand what a healthy relationship is to experience that. So the Holy Spirit desires to go to that core. He's going, how's your soul? You know, a lot of people love Judah Smith as a, as a communicator for various reasons, but he, the quote that always sticks out to me that I've ever heard him say one time was this, when he looked and he went down this path where he was like, how's your soul? How's your soul? Is it healthy? Does it love Jesus? Is it still soft and tender for worship? Is it, how's your soul? I'm not worried about how your, how your ministry's going. I'm not worried about how your preaching going. I'm not worried about how your music plan's going. I'm not worried about how well you greet people. I'm not worried about how much you volunteer somewhere. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not worried about how much water you give out in the community. How's your soul? See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. See, in this story, we see where Jesus... Looked at her and she's like, water. And they're talking about water and she doesn't get it. And he's like, you'd be asking me for a drink. You see, why? Because he desired for her to drink from him. To drink living water. What the spirit offers. Life. Eternal life. Hope. Joy. The fruits of the spirit that come with it. The power to walk in your life. Delivered and set free from the things that you may have walked in your past. To see a brand new future. It started there because the Holy Spirit wants to go to the core. So I challenge you that if you're there today and you're going, but I got all these problems, I want you to know the Holy Spirit wants to take you to that place of vulnerability. You see, because why he desires intimacy is because intimacy brings vulnerability. And when you get vulnerable with God, he can go into the depths of the deepest places of your heart and mind. And there's where you can see your mind renewed. You can see your heart softened. You can see healing take place from within. And he starts to work from within and it comes out in your life. He doesn't want to fix all your dues. He wants to fix your being. He wants to help you heal there first. So if you're there today, I'm just letting you know. There'll be time to teach you the ways, the biblical ways of finances and the biblical ways of all the things that we offer and we will continue to offer as his church. But if anything, when you're intimate encounters, he wants to go intimate with you so you can be vulnerable there. So you can be spiritually naked. Here I am. See, there's something about intimacy and nakedness that comes together. Imagine when we're emotionally naked, we're mentally naked, before God, and we just say, this is who I am, and you know how messed up I am, God, but I just need you. I need you more than ever, and I need you in my good, bad, and ugly. So minister to my soul, because you know what's good, you know what's bad, and you know what's even ugly. So here I am. That's who I, that's the God we desire. That's the Holy Spirit's desire. Third, the Holy, the Holy Spirit desires to transform your condemnation into conviction. I use some big words here, and I will break this real quick for you to understand. Because you know what the age-old question I've been asked over the years is? What's the difference between condemnation and conviction? You know, I prayed about that one time, and this is the way I put it. Condemnation pushes you away from the cross, but conviction brings you to the cross. I believe when you can experience that there's a raw love that maybe something needs to be turned around in your life and you need to be brought to truth and you need to have healing and understand there is a greater way in your life that was purposed by God, that's conviction that brings you the cross. When you get told you're lesser than the creation that you are made in 
and you're told you're a lesser of a human being because of your flesh and your sin nature, that's condemnation that pushes you away. I believe the Holy Spirit brings conviction to your life. And Jesus modeled it. Because once they're in there and they're having this intimate discussion and they just talk, he says, bring your husband. Now, I'm not trying to devalue Jesus here, but I'm going to just use my own terms because I joke, my kids always laugh because I joke and use this term a lot. That's a savage move in ministry. Just be like, hey, go get your husband. When he already knew the truth. He said, go get your husband. Now, he wasn't condemning her because you saw what happened. He said, she goes, actually, you got five husbands. See, the Holy Spirit knows things that we don't know. And that's when he goes, but you know, I know something because the Holy Spirit's so sweet and full of love because God is love. What happens is when he starts to tell you those truths and convict you, he does it in a way that he doesn't further wound you. He, he brings it in a way that he kind of breaks you. So he breaks those pieces off so he can mold you into the man or woman of God that you're meant to be. That's conviction, graceful love. That's compassion. That's beyond anything we'd ever imagine as human beings because it comes from God. That he says, you got five. So you're right. You, and they're not even really your husband. So you know what? You really don't have one and you did tell the truth. But you want to know something? He didn't get up and leave and say, see you later. Since you're known as maybe the village whore, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away now. Pardon my language if that offends you, but that's what we would say in Cumberland. If there was somebody that was rolling around that, and we would gossip all about them, wouldn't we? But I'm just sitting here telling you, that he goes, no, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to talk to you about living water. I'm going to talk to you about spirit and truth and talk to you about the church, talk to you about my heart, talk to you about my love. See, because that's the heart of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't leave you after he points things out. He says, I'm going to walk you through it and I'm going to stay with you and stick through it. So you know what happens? You, when you're walking through a valley of life, I love this. This is something God's always stirred in my heart over the years. When you're walking through a valley, God's with you. He climbs with you. He celebrates on top. He goes down the mountain on the other side. He walks through the next valley with you. He climbs back up with you. He celebrates with you. He knows your life and he knows what you're walking through and he walks you through it. He doesn't abandon you. It says he will not leave nor forsake you. He does not leave you. The Holy Spirit is present and wants to work with you, but you have to recognize his presence so you can encounter him to know he loves you and he's cheering you on and he's showing you the right way and he wants you to know there's a greater way than what you're walking through that brought you to that well. You no longer have to be isolated. You can have healthy relationships. You can have community with him. And you don't have to come to the well at noon. You can come to the well when everybody else comes to the well. Because you're a woman of God. You're a daughter of the king. And you were made in my image. That's what he saw. Whew. Sorry, guys. Whew. But then, as she brings this conviction comes out and she realizes she is talking to who she thought was a prophet, but it was words of God speaking to her. The Holy Spirit transforms her story to be a message for his glory. See, because I believe the Holy Spirit transforms our story as a message of his glory. You see, because here's a woman. We've taken this journey together. She's not the holy one. She's probably unbreakable, feels like she's too broken. She got told if she needs to worship, but she's so unclean and she's a Samaritan, she can't go in the temple. She can't go to the event. Too many, too many religious ones there for her. 
And here she is. But her testimony starts to form that day. You see, I believe that what happens is those encounters, when we get vulnerable and we get intimate and we go deeper, what he starts to do is he starts to show you your story unfolding. And he starts to show how his hand is on things and how his hand will be on things and how his healing comes. And you get to begin to share that because you know what happens? I'm gonna use a very practical way to show you how intimacy works that way. When we get first in a relationship with someone, we can't shut up about talking about them. We annoy all of our friends. Let me tell you what we did. You know, he's so awesome and it's just so great. Or she's just awesome. She, you know what she did the other day? Blah, blah. I mean, we just get annoying. But you know what it is? We can't help but to talk about ones we're growing in intimacy with. So when we're growing in intimacy with God and the Holy Spirit, we're encountering him in these intimate places. And when you're alone and you're having that quiet space and you're getting alone and making it personal, you know what happens? You start talking about him. You start talking about what he's done and what he's doing. And then you start to understand even more. Maybe you're someone right now that's just, you're giving us a hope that you're watching this morning. And then you're going, but you sang this song because he lives. And you wonder why we're so excited. It's because he lives. And we get excited about that because we know his living presence and how it feels. And we walk it out. And we know how amazing that is. And when we sing a song, you go, graves to gardens. What? Yeah. Because he takes death and he turns it into something living. We know that. That's why we sing it. So you're there going, I'm not sure why I'm singing this. I'm just holding out because I'm hoping that God will do something. I want you to know right now if you're listening. He does that. And it comes from these intimate encounters. You're not unbreakable. You don't have to be as spiritual as somebody else. And you don't have to wait for the next big event or when, wait until the doors that physically open to any physical church. Right now where you're standing, God wants to encounter you through his Holy Spirit. You see, turn that story into a message. You know why? <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm going to take you a little bit later into John. It says in verse 39, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So, this, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up for some time of worship here. coming. You see, because that's when I, that last point that I was making. You see, he turns our story into being a message. You see, this woman, now I want to just take you back really quick so you can track this. This woman that was at the well, isolating herself, had a lot of husbands, was at this well, Samaritan woman, talking to a Jewish man, who ended up realizing here this is Jesus himself. This is like the same right now where you're sitting right now feeling like you might be in one of these situations and believed one of these myths. That I'm letting you know that God's saying, I'll sit with you. And he comes to this place to now it says that many of the, the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Did it say that she got to become a holy woman? Did it say it took a bunch of time? It said he stayed for two more days. That well incident was a transformation process because she got the 
chance to intimately encounter the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit with the work of Jesus Christ right there that day. And she said, let me tell you about Jesus. And she started telling others about him. And all of a sudden, a whole town said, can we hang out with you, Jesus? No, 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 no. We can't do that because you know what? You, don't, you haven't been experienced enough in the word. No, 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 no. You still got that figured out. You got to figure that out. You haven't been away from that enough. Yeah, that, you're not good. You're still getting fixed. You're still in the fixable range. You're not holy enough. No. An entire village experienced an intimate encounter with the presence of God because one woman sitting by a well that thought she was unfixable and couldn't go to a temple and thought she was a dog because of the way the Jews spoke of her and sat there and said, I can't go to the event and I'm not holy and I'm hoping the Holy One that comes will take care of me and maybe, and all of a sudden, she sees a town transformed to know Jesus Christ of Samaritans that are probably walking through the same broken mess. In fact, to let you know, and I'm going to be honest, I forget the exact term, but the town Sikar actually has a derogatory meeting. It was kind of like the hood. It was like, it was like the place. Like that's, that's that place. And that's who Jesus hung out with for two more days. And ministered to their souls. He met them where they were at. He didn't say, oh, I can't hang out with all these Samaritans. This is kind of rough. It's kind of sketch. No, he said, I'm here for two days. And then he said, I'll minister where you're at. How's your soul? And souls begin one for the kingdom for eternity. And then he takes, and probably these other people that had, heck, maybe some of the guys that were mentioned earlier, all of a sudden get a chance to experience healing too. And then their message gets to go out further that we stand here today because the work of Christ and his disciples, but also these encounters because they went and told people about it. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the intimate encounters of the Holy Spirit transforming men and women's hearts throughout the ages. Yours, mine, everyone else. Because that's what he desires. So you go, now what? Pastor Sean, how, now what? What do I do now? Well, this is what I tell you you do now. Make it personal. This is what I want you to do. They call this, in the big word world, a paradigm shift. This is where we change like the way we see things. Instead of thinking you're too broken, realize you have a healer that wants to encounter you right where you're at and he makes house calls right where you're standing. But he doesn't come and say, I can temporarily fix it. He comes saying, I'm the creator of the universe and I made you in my image and I can heal you. I can deliver you. I can bring you out of what you're dealing with. I can help you. Your story is not too messed up for me. You know why? Because he took that, he already took that. We get to know the back side of this story. He took that burden on a cross. He took a beating to a place to where it says that his mother, your mother couldn't recognize him. His own mother. And then he went on that cross and then he experienced death for three days. But that tomb couldn't contain him. 
But all that time he was doing, you know why? He was doing that for the ones that feel like they're not fixable. They're too broken. The ones that don't feel like they're holy enough and they're just thinking only that, that experience is for the holy man. No, he said, I did that so we can have intimacy together. So you and me can have that time. So I want to ask you to make it personal this morning, no matter where you are. I want to ask you that if you're sitting in your living room right now, you're sitting out on your deck, maybe you're in your car, pull your car over if you're in a safe place. And just make it personal and say, God, here I am. I'm not going to give you any magic words except for those three words. God, here I am. Here I am. Here's my good. Here's my bad. Here's my ugly. You know it all, God. But I want to make it personal because I want to know you in a deeper, more intimate way. I want to grow in my faith, but I know that I can't grow in my faith before I know your heart and, and, you experience, and I can experience your heart. So I, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to minister to me. So where you're at right now in your living room, take that moment. Lunch will be there. Your family, you've been with them in quarantine forever. They'll be there. Take this moment for your soul and just experience the richness of his presence and, and experience a love that you can't feel in this world. Experience a hope and a joy that you can't feel in this world because it comes from heaven. It comes from the Holy Spirit. You're not too far gone. You're not too broken. You don't have to wait until the doors open back up. Right now, you are the church and he calls you to intimacy. He calls you to a place to get one-on-one -on -one with him. One-on-one -on -one with a loving father that wants to draw your heart to him. There might be some ugly truth in this when you have that conversation this morning. Tears might come and that's okay. Your heart might hurt a little bit as you recognize some things, but that's okay because it's for healing. And in the presence of God, you'll experience the same thing this woman experienced with Jesus because the Holy Spirit has the same heart. He is God as Jesus was with this woman. Experience that same thing. Would you pray with me this morning, church? And then I want to challenge you to, when I say amen, to let that be the starting line to you making it personal this morning as the band will even join us and play, and play for a while. Just enjoy that place that you're at and make it personal. Father, we come to you now and we just open our hearts and our arms to you. We open our lives to you, God. God, as we just intimately desire that intimacy, that, that personal encounter that with you, God. God, stir us, God. I, I, from, the, from, the, from the ones who are lost and are seeking you to the ones who have experienced you for years, God, draw us to the depths, to a deeper place in relationship with you today. Holy Spirit, do works in us, God, that we can't do on our own, that there's not a book written, there's not a pastor that's preached, but come straight from heaven, God. I ask you to minister each of us, God, in our own way. You know you formed us, God, in our mother's womb. You dreamed up our lives before you even placed us there. You are God, Father, and we thank you for that. And I ask you to minister, Father. Holy Spirit, 
we desire that to this morning. God, thank you for the promise of your spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence right now. That it's not just here where we're preaching and singing, but it's in every man, woman, and child's home right now. To recognize he wants to meet you there. Thank you, Lord. Meet us there. So God, now we just surrender this time to you. It's not about the crowds. It's not about the noise. It's not about the news. It's not about, the, it's not about COVID. It's not about anything that's going on right now. It's not about our political ideology. It's not about elections. God, we want to make this moment about you and you alone. So just have your way this morning with us, God. And I finish as I started this. God, here I am. Here I am. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.